everybody, Bonnie, Tim, Michael Leary, coming at you. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. So glad you're tuning in. Um, Tim is in Northern California, Bonnie, Austin, Texas, Mike, Columbus, Ohio, soon to be renamed. Guy Fieri is from Columbus, Uh Ohio. And so there is a petition in front of our state legislature to rename, I kid you not, Columbus Flavortown. And um, <laughs> that feels like an important one in these times. Yes, <laughs> the focus yes, should be there. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, Columbus, I don't know that that's going to stick around much longer. So um, <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> although Tony Morrison evidently was born here too. So, so maybe there's some, something poetic. But Morrison would be a much mm-hmm. better Agreed. name than Flavor. Gary, but what I are just, you doing? Get that, get that in the Senate right now. I know, right? Well, I'm just visualizing the kind of statue that we would have for Guy Fieri, mm-hmm. oh, and Lord. I like that one better. I'm not going to lie. If he's got the flames <laughs> and the hair and it's frosted, I'm in. You're in. Um, and so anyway, so that's the that's that's one of many big Ohio you know discussions happening right now. Um, uh, but speaking of visualization, mm-hmm. Bonnie is a master. Uh, at painting some pictures and so she has she's been waiting to share this with us <laughs> so on air and so she's giggling already so bonnie what do you got what do you got okay well i really built this up so i i now i have feel nervous but <laughs> okay <laughs> i want you to picture okay um one of those restaurants we've all been to a restaurant like this okay and you go in you've got high hopes for the restaurant Mm -hmm. people generally look happy it's not a chain no it's not a chain yeah so it's it's a unique austin place hypothetically really anywhere okay um and it's got some charm something that feels off but you'll Mm. take it Mm. so you sit down and they give you a menu and the menu has like Italian and Mexican and breakfast all day. You know, it's like one of those places and you wow. realize quickly this restaurant doesn't know what it is. Yes. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yep. And so already you're kind of overwhelmed. There's way too many things on the menu. The menu's like a book. Uh, the restaurant has no idea what it is, but you're already there. And so you're like, I'll just get one of these things right but in your mind you're like how could they make lasagna and pancakes to the same great degree and then the most offensive thing on the menu is the is the platter that is like all the things right so they're like we'll give you the pancakes and the enchiladas and the and it's like you know what you leave and you're like i guess it was fine i'm just glad we're out where we're done i'm glad we're out of there did you know what i'm talking about the type of scenario oh yes oh yes so that's the exact feeling I had last week when I was forced <laughs> by my family to watch the new Scooby-Doo movie. Oh, that no! Exactly <laughs> what that experience is like. <laughs> exactly. Uh, wow. What was? I feel like that's that's uh, that's pretty accurate though. It's it's a hodgepodge <laughs> of things going I'm on like, in that movie. Literally, I'm like, is this the same movie? Like, did oh, I fall yeah. asleep? And Chip's like, this is the best. And I'm like, this movie has no idea what it is. <laughs> I was just appalled. But you, but you enjoyed the characters, right? The depth, the kind of depth of characterization. No, that's the, the point. It, the there's no between, depth. I know. I'm sure. I haven't seen it. But. 
it was and i waited a whole week because i wanted to text you both and then i said you know what no i'm going to tell them that i watched it and yeah. this is what it was like but i gave so, it a try well i gotta say your characterization is pretty dead on <laughs> although of the three of us i'm the only one who has not seen this and will not <laughs> i'm merely idolizing a cartoon from my youth you know what you should stay there you should yeah, stay in the probably, cartoon probably, for your Yeah, that's space. probably probably happy. Yeah. What you should do though is go on IMDb and look up the voice cast. No. Nope. Because it's a wild hodgepodge. Did you guys ever watch Last Man on Earth? Wait, was that what it was called? Last yeah, Last Man on Earth. Was that a TV show? The Will Forte show. Yeah, oh, it was like, like a, I didn't see a it. half hour comedy. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He's like one of the funniest people in the world. Is he though? But he's shaggy. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious. <laughs> he's shaggy in the new Scooby. And that's yeah, reason Gruber. enough. And that's reason enough. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, Bonnie, back to the kind of restaurant you described. I just, like, if I were a restaurant, I would be that kind of restaurant. <laughs> and And I've learned... Just for, I mean, this is totally just a public service announcement, but I've learned whenever you're at a restaurant like that, go with breakfast. Yeah. Don't even consider any other option. Breakfast is the least pollutable mm -hmm. um, and easiest to, to make and probably the best thing they got going. I, I agree um, with you. And I have made the mistake too many times to be like, you know what? I will get the snapper. And then it's like, <laughs> no person have done that. The, the last thing you order no, is fish. No, yeah, with potato salad, sure. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. All right. Well, Bonnie, that... Give me the fish and the mayonnaise, please. <laughs> exactly. What could go wrong? Bonnie, that was perfect. That, that encapsulates everything that we love about you. That you did it. <laughs> you hated it. You waited a week to tell us so that we yeah. could appreciate it fully. Thank Love you. Love it. So, um, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, happy. We're in the middle of, we're finally reached summer. And um, summer is, at least in Ohio, is hazy, hot, and humid. Um, uh, and I'm assuming, Bonnie, you don't have humid, but you have hot. Oh, we have humid and hot, both. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's the worst in August. Worst. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy, how about you? We just have dry heat. It's already, it was hot this morning at like 8.30. Yeah. But it's a dry heat, man. It does make a difference, bro. It does. I'm just telling you. Oh, I believe you. The humid thing, that's real. I'm actually, I'm a really equal opportunist when it comes to heat. I hate all versions oh, of it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And that, that fits. You that's know what I'm saying? That's how I am about cold. That's how I am about cold. I can do the heat fine. I cannot do cold. That's what I'm talking about. Like Thank below you, 55, forget it. Now, um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, today, <laughs> today, everybody's like, what is happening right, right now? We have a couple of big announcements and, um, and, and the only way I know to kind of find my way into them is to just kind of to spill the beans. And I want you to know the Vox podcast is pregnant. Um, we are pregnant with twins. We are giving birth to two new podcasts. Well, one of them will be a Tim Gombis podcast. This, and, and I don't mean they're affiliated with Vox. I just mean like these are people in relationship with us who we love that are starting podcasts. And then the big news we want to look at today 
is our sweet Bonnie is starting her own podcast and um, is going to leave her role as official co-host and um, but but loved guests uh, and you know invited always participant uh, for for us but is going to start and start her own podcast we want to talk a little bit about that Bonnie what's the news yes so it will be so I can't believe I think it's been a year since I've been officially the co-host so it's gonna be I feel everything I feel so grateful I feel sad I feel excited I feel Mm. well as you can imagine I'm not without a lot of feelings about it but um um i am also excited because this past year has been a huge journey for us and um what we did with tim shell and mm. the book which we'll talk about but also we're starting um a tim shell podcast so one of the feedback we heard from backers that got the book was like oh my gosh i would love it if you would write a study guide or i'd love it if you would mm. Um, explain this more so originally we thought okay we'll do 20 episodes um, of one for each chapter kind of explaining it Um, but then as we got on the podcast so it's myself and then my editor Jeremy Jeremy Armstrong Mm -hmm. he um, was the editor of the book and so we get on there and we talk about it but I love the approach that we're taking so we do a little bit of what this passage is but we do a lot of Uh, the writing and creative process. So Mm. we do a lot of, hey, this is why we chose this. Here's the history on that. So what's the difference if we chose this word that's also acceptable? So Mm. that type of thing. So we talk about the passage and then we talk a lot about stuff around the passage. And then also um, the psychologist that was on the project with us, Kyle Horst, he joins us for a bunch of projects too to talk about some of um, the issues that are raised, but then also sort of how that translates to um, a modern understanding of it. Yes. And I I want to, if it's okay, I want to take a step back even and talk yeah. about, for, for people maybe that have joined us recently, what it is that you've exactly done. I mean, what it is that we're podcasting about. So just give us a quick overview of Tim Shell. For some of you who've been with us a while, you've heard this already. Many of mm-hmm. you own it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you don't, we'll give you a, a way to do that at the end. Yeah. But um, this was a big deal. This was a big deal for you. So so tell us what it is. And then would you go into why you wanted to do it and what that was like for you? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what was the journey like? Yeah. So Tim Shell is uh, an idiomatic Bible translation is what we decided to call it. Um, and I'll get to why we call it a translation as well, because that has come under some fire. But um Basically, it's 20 stories, 10 out of the Old Testament, 10 out of the New Testament that I grew up and most Christians grew up who grew up in the church learning um, that to me, I felt like we learned only part of the story. They left a bunch of unanswered questions, but then they never were quite answered for me. So as I grew up Mm -hmm. as an adult and had my own series of deconstruction and reconstruction, um, I found a lot more depth to the stories. And part of it is because... I have my master's in theology, so I was trained to do it. So I can read the text and read the words and read the original languages in the context, but not everybody has that, um, has that same ability or that same schooling. So, um, I wanted to create something where somebody for the first time could pick it up and get 
a wealth of like knowledge about the historical setting, the cultural setting of the stories. Um, but I also as wanted part, to create as part of the text, as part of the text, right? So like right now, right. if you read it, sometimes there's a footnote and be like Jericho was blah blah blah. So <laughs> instead, I wrote it into the text. So it was yes. um, yeah. Yeah, so it reads more like a novel would read. Um, it really is closer to what a midrash would be. And a midrash is um, sort of a supplemental text that um, the Jewish religion uses to supplement um, a lot of their stories. So like like Brueggemann talked about in our last episode, a lot of mm-hmm. the oral tradition, since all these stories were first orally passed down before they were written and translated and put into a book, Um, They relied a lot on midrash, on things that kind of filled in these questions. So as these oral traditions are passing around um, and people are talking about it, people are wrestling, people are sort of saying, well, what about this? And what about this in the story? Um, These other sort of interpretations filling in the blanks called midrash came out and then people use those to supplement some of the questions that we have, right? There's sometimes it seems like there's gaps or it seems like there's contradictions. So it functions and reads more like that, but we don't have that type of category in Christianity. Right. 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 We have commentaries. Yeah. And then we have the Bible. Like the, tra- and that's yeah, it. the translation of it. Mm-hmm. The translation yeah. of it. And and so I wanted something that could serve as all of that into one. That somebody mm-hmm. didn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to figure out what it is they were reading. Um, and I also wanted something that introduced based on the languages and the culture um and then our understanding of modern psychology what might the characters be going through in these stories i think for me when i went through deconstruction when we gave birth to our stillborn that was a real catalyst for me and something i could not connect to was that like i felt like i was a real human being that had real suffering and real pain but everybody i read about didn't have that suffering and pain they did Right. But in a very right. two dimensional way. Yeah. So um, like a really good example, it's the story that we started with when we put it on Kickstarter was Abraham and Isaac. Mm. Um, I've heard that story a thousand times about how God asks Abraham to kill his son. Abraham's fine with it. Isaac's apparently fine with it. Um, and then they come home and whoops, Sarah's dead. Like, it's just this thing. (laughs) It's like that. And it was so confusing to me because I'm like, why is God doing that? Why does everybody seem to be fine? Certainly this would be a tough thing and a tough choice. So um, a lot of people go to church and you will hear that. Someone talk about it. Like, imagine what Abraham would have felt like. But there are a ton of people and a lot of the circles I run in where they don't go to church. They uh, don't go anymore because they've been hurt or because they've, they're other, they're labeled as othered and they're kind of kicked out. And so they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with the Bible. I want to pick it up, but I don't know how to read it. I don't know how to understand it. So that's sort of what gave birth, if you will, to the book. Um, we put it on Kickstarter and it was so funny. The night before we launched it, it was like <laughs> 10 things not not to do or whatever for Kickstarter campaign. I was like, oh, I probably should have read this, but oh well. <laughs> and so the first one's like, never ever put a book on Kickstarter. I'm like, Perfect. Mm. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds right. Wow. <laughs> and then the second oh, one was God. like, never ever break into a new genre or a new area. I'm like, that's also <laughs> real. It's like all of them was like, forget it. But at the same time, we'd already done everything. So I'm like, well, I'm going to write it anyway. This will just be a good 
everything. So it was at 30 days on Kickstarter. The goal was 32,000. Um, we surpassed the goal and then I reopened it up. So we made a total of, of $56,000 and um, over a thousand wow. copies were sold. Wow. Yeah, and it was this crazy thing because I would say probably 95% are people I've never met that I don't know that mm. stumbled across it or somebody shared it. And I got these stories flooding in of like, I haven't read the Bible in 10 years. Um, I picked this up and I'm just bawling. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. This is my door back in. Like, um, mm. and it was very moving because it, for me, it was this turning point in how I understood our relationship to the things that we create. Mm. I sought out to create something because I just felt like there was a need. Like my intellectual brain said there was a need. I never could have guessed that all these people um, would have found a real connection point with it in their spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And it was a big um, lesson for me and a big learning spot to realize like, gosh, sometimes we have these things we want to do or these things we want to create. Our job is to just say yes to them. Um, after that, it's really not up to us. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. I've also had people that don't like it, that don't agree with it. Um, that yeah. say, you know, you can't do that. Um, so that was a real, just the Kickstarter process was a big, was a big deal for me. But then the actual writing of it, um, I did not know how much it would change me. Hmm. I was kind of under the assumption, like I've preached on these things. I've read all this stuff. It, it will be fine. Hmm. It changed the way I saw scripture. It changed the way I saw God working in my life. Um, and it changed the way I felt like um, my vo my own voice I had. So, mm. yeah, it's like one of the things Brueggemann talked about last week when he was, we were talking mm. about white supremacy culture and he was talking about, um, how did he say it? The worship of the written word. And he's mm. like, we have to sometimes, we have to go back to those oral traditions because the way our current scriptures have been translated um, oftentimes has meant to serve an empire. And mm. um, I had been, I was reading this thing from Roar and he was talking about how we got from prophets to priests, uh, mm. to empire and how the prophets, you know, are always kind of on the edge of the, of the inside. They are in a culture and they're in a situation and they're sort of digging things up and poking holes and saying, we need to reform these things. This is wrong. Listen to the people crying out. Um, and then during kind of in the fourth century, when Christianity really became established, we, there, a priestly order took over. And um, when that happened, there's hierarchy and there's people in places. And so prophets now served as something that might take away power from a priestly order, right? If you have someone mm. in power saying, this is what we need to do and this is how we fall in line. Um, anybody that's going to oppose you, that's kind of going to rub up against each other. And so slowly sort of this prophet mentality died out. Um, and then as Bibles began being translated, they really were translated by a very certain group of men. And it was mostly white celibate males. I think that there's nothing wrong with white Which celibate males. Which are a gift males. to the world. Let's just say that. They are <laughs> um, a gift to the world. I, I mean, they really are. And in so many ways, it formed <laughs> everything, so much that we right. have read, so much we have learned. But um, I look back and like, I think, gosh, that's but it is that is one lens that was brought that is mm. one lens that is brought to the text what about um people of color what about women um what about all these other groups that aren't sort of in there yeah. because one thing that i've noticed is that when people read it they're like there's a tenderness here 
or there's a passion here or there's a like the flow of it and you guys have read it so you would know but like there's something different that i think happens when we mm -hmm. allow um other voices and other lenses to come and see the text differently so mm. um i mm. was unaware that that would pop out to me so much when i was mm. writing mm. and that it really would kind of stir up this passion in me that gosh you know what no that's really important it's really mm -hmm. important for us um especially if we're like really preaching um, women equality on the pulpit, women equality in the church and all these different things. Well, if we have this text that we really rely on that's supposed to be for everybody, uh, but it's from the lens of um, a small group of people, then I, I wanna bring up the question, is that serving us the best? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. or, or could we, is there a way we can look at it differently from people who are trained and people who do have a voice in that area, um, but are they bringing a different perspective? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Speak more, uh, if you would, about w how this grew to empower you. Yeah. Like how, how, like, like that's a, that's a really interesting thing because I, I, I you know, I, we've been friends for 20 years mm -hmm. and I've been privy to some of the pushback you get as a Christian woman mm -hmm. for stepping into some of these spaces. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine there was pushback here. Yeah. Um, what was what was the process like for you personally? Yeah, it was really tough at first. Um, I like when people like me. So <laughs> um, when they don't like me uh, because I've done something wrong, I get that. When they don't like me um, because they don't know me, that's that's a tough spot for me. It should be the easiest spot for me to say, you don't know me. Do you know what I mean? Um mm -hmm. But somehow, it, it historically, it just hasn't been. So um, when I started it, I got a ton of pushback. Um, and I still do occasionally, but now I've just learned not to look at it. Mm. Um, because the it's usually the same line of thinking, which is, um, this is dangerous. Uh, this woman's a heretic. Um, she's saying this is truth, but the only truth is scripture. Um and so the, I think a lot of it stems around um, the word translation. I think people mm -hmm. would be a lot more comfortable if I called it a commentary or a midrash or whatever. And so mm -hmm. I really, really struggled with that for a while. What should I do? What should I call it? What should I do? Mm -hmm. um, but I met this pastor and he, um, he bought Tim Shell and he said, I, I'm a pastor of this small church um, outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And he said, a lot of the members of our church, we are a very liberal progressive church. And a lot of members of our church have come to our church because they got kicked out of the other church in our town that is not liberal and not progressive. And, um, and he said, you know, one of the things that they struggle with all the time is not only do they not feel welcome into the church, but they have been told either uh, very overtly or sometimes covertly that the Bible isn't theirs, like it doesn't belong to them, that you have mm -hmm. to be a certain way or believe a certain thing for you to pick it up and read it and to get something from it. And so he's telling me the story. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. And then he like stops where we were walking to lunch at this thing we're at. And he stops and he just looks at me dead in the eye and it's this grown man. He's like a foot taller than I am. He's like so tall. Was this before or after you wrote it? This is... um in the middle of it. So he had it. bought it, he had seen the Kickstarter, and then I had showed him a few other things. Um, and he starts crying, he's, he said, I can't thank you enough for calling it a translation because mm. um, 
what you did with that is that you told a whole bunch of people that the Bible was also for them. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> like no, I just okay. picture him on the street and I just mm. remember thinking like, gosh, all of those things that those people say to me, mm-hmm. it's nothing compared to someone saying to you, like, you can't mm-hmm. have this. You can't right. know God. You can't know Jesus. And so um, he said, mm. I know I'm so excited for this because I know this will be their door back in. Yeah. This will remind them that they are welcomed and they are loved and they are um, accepted. And so um, it was empowering in a sense for me to say, I'm looking, here's what happens if I don't call it a translation. Mm-hmm. Here's who I help. Here's what it does. Here's mm-hmm. who I don't help. Here's who's left out. And then say, if I do call it a translation, here's the fruit of that. And then to be able to look and go, gosh, I'm going to choose the unpopular opinion of the, basically the background I grew up in. And I'm sticking with this because I believe that, um, it includes and it welcomes and accepts a whole bunch of people that have told they didn't belong. Hmm. So making that choice, um, was very empowering for me, um, in terms of saying, I have probably pleased a lot of people most of my career. Mm. but then you lie your head down at night and you go, gosh, was that worth it? Mm. Um, do I really believe in that? Or who, who did I answer to when I made that call? Mm-hmm. So, um, I was grateful. I made that choice early on, um, uh, because then when I went back and edited it and when I did other things, like I kept saying, like, I, you have to be so, um, staunchly committed to telling the truth. So whatever you think the text really says, you have to say that Mm. you can't soften it. You can't write towards the critics. You can't uh, Mm. do it to appease anybody, but you have to do what the text says. And so um, that became sort of my lens through the whole thing. Um, So that grew this muscle in me of Mm. um, no, gosh, I'm really committed to telling the truth and it's not always going to be popular and not people are going to understand it, but that's okay because um, I will experience freedom and s- trust in who I'm answering to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Sounds a lot like the main character of the book. Of this book. <laughs> the Show book. I was like, Harry Potter? I was uh, like, Scooby's a book? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I mean, in that... Uh, the, so good, Bonnie, because uh, well, hold on. I, I, yeah. There's so many jumbled thoughts in my brain. Yeah. Um, I want to set that aside for a second. And then I want to talk about what it was like for you and Tim to host when I was gone mm. yeah. and, and how that felt, how that, how that same thing was, was cooking and working and what God was doing and all of that. Yeah. Um, well, Tim, you should probably answer this too. Um, I think it felt kind of like, Sometimes jumping off a bridge, we're like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect or where we're going to land. Uh, I don't know. Um, but at the same time, it was one of those things. Like Tim and I were committed to keeping it going um, for our sake, for your sake, for the listener's sake. We wanted to keep keep something going um, awesome. because we believe in the mission of it and we love it. So we were like, okay, we need to do that. Um, but Tim and I also were like, okay, we are committed to telling the truth. And bringing up topics that we think are important. And then we had to say from the get-go, I don't know if you remember this, Tim, we were like, 
you and I show up as you and I. We even if we tried, we can't do what Erie does. So let's just not try. <laughs> we'll just do what we do. Um, and that was really freeing for me because I um, I didn't realize that I want that when once I was allowed or given permission or given space to just do something that I wanted to do, it felt really good. Yeah. It felt really good to do that. Um, so that kind of also really stirred up inside of me as something like, oh, wait, no, I have something to say as well. Yeah. And um, it's not, it's from a different angle and it's me, it's my angle. And so um, yeah. that kind of happened at the same time, if you will. So yeah. I think we took over the podcast right when Tim Shell was released to backers. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of had just come off this thing and then people were getting it and then we we're doing the pot. So it was all sort of this huge year of like figuring out who I was and what, what my voice <laughs> is. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and that leads inexorably in some ways to your own doing your, doing your own podcast, which yeah. totally makes sense. And I'm, I'm so glad you went into that, that explanation, because I think that's the point. Um, there's so much going on behind this mm -hmm. that is worth talking about, you know, and so yeah. you gave us kind of insight into into that yeah uh tim what are your thoughts as we're going through all of this what are my thoughts um the same that bonnie said at the beginning i'm excited and happy and sad the everything you just said about like kind of so when we had to take over in whenever that was january mm -hmm. or i don't remember when it was yep. The jumping off a bridge thing, I feel like is accurate. It was like every time we would sit down uh, and get ready to interview somebody, it would be like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'm totally ready. I read the book. I uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then we'd hit record and the thing was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Uh, but, and then it, obviously there was uh, some intense moments of pushback and uh, controversy with some of the guests and some of the topics and but the thing the only thing that's ever stressed me out about that was not that bonnie or i had done or said something heretical it was more like and we would talk about this that we didn't want to put uh vox into troubling waters uh but at the same time i knew that anytime that we were uh Anytime that we got pushback is because we were digging at something that people were holding a little bit too tightly. Mm -hmm. And and I knew that that was the correct thing to be doing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, Bonnie, everything you just said about, like, uh, you know, know your role, stay in your lane, basically, right? Yeah. That's kind of the, yeah. that's kind of the MO of the church in a lot of ways and the MO of um, a lot of things, obviously. The people in power don't want things to get ruffled or pushed off direction. Yeah. And it's always the people who are willing to dig at the things and be like, well, actually, no, this is what this says. This is what this means. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be Jesus's MO from point A to point B was ruffling the feathers and being like, no, let's look at this again. Or no, these people are just as important as you people are and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. uh, all this stuff is like, it is bittersweet to, to see Bonnie go. But at the same time, it's like, this is this is a necessary function for Bonnie. Like mm -hmm. this is, this feels like a natural 
progression. I'm doing hand mo. I always forget that we're <laughs> no, looking at you guys you. on video and everyone, <laughs> everyone's in their car going like, what's happening? But this feels like a natural, like, is maturation the right word? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, like you going forward in a way that is, feels necessary uh, for what your personal mission is in mm-hmm. this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. If that makes sense. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm just rambling. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Not at all, man. And and ramble on. Yeah. And this really this really ties into some of the stuff you're also doing with radical wellness. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, just it, this the the picture that I see that I want, you know, our pe- our listeners to hear is just this it's kind of threads that are all moving in a very similar yeah. Sort of direction. And so we can we can either dig into Ezekiel if you want to from Tim Shell, or we can talk about radical wellness and then dig in, whatever you want to do. I think I'll just set up radical wellness because it will go easily into Ezekiel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so radical wellness, like I've talked about it before, but it's this really unique thing that Elise Snipes, who's a therapist and she was on the podcast, but um mm-hmm. that she set up and what she did was she was like, We can't look at um our healing just from one section so we can't just do therapy or we can't um just do enneagram or we can't whatever so on the team is um a whole bunch of people who are certified skilled um experienced in many different areas so there's um therapists there's an embodiment coach there's an enneagram coach and then i was spiritual director i just had her we just changed my title actually to creativity and divinity coach because I wanted, (laughs) isn't that a good one? Actually, I think it was divinity first, but I liked it because this is my problem. People come for a spiritual director all the time and they want me to tell them the answer. They're like, what do I do? Right. And, um, what do, what should I think about this? Like every time. And so I was like, I can't, and I would often ask, like, why do you think that that's what I do? <laughs> and they would mm-hmm. be like, well, because that's what a director does. They direct mm-hmm. you where to go. And my job is not to do that. My job is to help you find patterns of, like, in your mm-hmm. life that God is speaking to you. Uh, my job is to help you, like, lead you to the water, right? But And journey with you, but not to tell you what to do or what to think. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to change it. And I wanted to incorporate this idea about creativity um, that happened when we were doing Tim Shell. Um, and mm-hmm. so yeah. some of the things we do with them. Um, I have a course I teach on what to do with an idea. Like, so a lot of people are like, I have an idea, but now what? How do I make it happen? Is it okay? How do I? So I help them do that. Um, I have people that see me one-on-one. But one of the main things I do that has gotten a ton of attention that people really like is um, this group on the Divine Feminine. And um, it was something that I... Um, came into contact with when I was translating, actually. Um, So Mm. we'll read some of Ezekiel, but it's these passages in scripture where God, metaphors are used for God that are feminine. So God is a, God is a mother bear. God is a nursing mother. Uh, God is a midwife. God (laughs) is um, like all these things, but we do not hear about them. No. Literally ever. No. And, um, it has been empowering for women to see themselves reflected in a God that has generally been presented as only male. Mm. So I know from yeah. my experience um, as a mom, as waking up in the middle of the night, nursing my kids, as a mom who's giving birth, as a mom who gave birth to a stillborn, I would have felt a lot more seen and heard 
had I felt like he really understood. So for women, when people are like, oh, well, God, he's, you know, and Jesus, he's empathetic and he understands everything. For a male, you might quickly go, yeah, that's true. For a female, you're like, I don't, there's a mm. lot of stuff we do and a lot of mm. instincts we have and a lot of lenses and a lot of postures that I don't see reflected in there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it totally does. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, so to it's be a, able it's to- a, for, for a man, I'm sorry to interrupt no. you, but for a man, it's a one-to-one. Yes. I know what power is, God has power. I know mm-hmm. what intelligence is, God has intelligence. I mean, it's a, it, you just map, map masculinity right over. Yeah. Exactly. Divinity. Yep. Yes. Oh and my it's, Lord, that's so true. Yeah, and it's we we have to jump through a lot of hoops. Not that intelligence and and power were masculine, but you know what I mean. The traditional, yeah, yeah the yeah. traditional way of viewing. This is what the man yes. does. This is the thing. Yes. yes. And um, I think in some ways, like we talked about before, it served empire a little bit. I think part of it though isn't malicious intent. If you are a man, you are bringing a certain lens to the text. If I am a woman, I am bringing a certain lens to the text. The problem is, is that this idea about women being preachers or women interpreting things or whatever is fairly new. So we didn't all grow up hearing a woman's point of view of something. So um, like there's also a lot of times in the Hebrew where the pronoun for spirit um, is she. And we never hear that. Ever. Right, in fact, right. you say she and everybody like kind of loses it. And they're like, right. oh my gosh, you're, you're like a crazy liberal person and you can't do this. And it's so funny because I'm like, it just literally says it in the Hebrew. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you want me to do. Because mm-hmm. the funniest part about that is that then people are like, you can't change it. I'm like, well, technically they changed it because they wrote yeah. he. <laughs> but like, it's just this weird thing where it's really not talked about, it's really not accepted. So the thing mm. I've seen, I offer every six weeks, I offer a six week group mm. um, and we meet over Zoom and then we go through um, sort of all these different metaphors. We go through spirit, we through God as mother. We talk about um, some of the ways that um, like masculine culture is pervasive and how we can show up in a way that's still strong, but that helps balance things out. Um, so we, we talk about all these different things. And one of the things that has been a common thread throughout these groups is women saying, this is the first time I ever felt known. Mm. I, I've never felt like God really understood me or what I was going through or who I was. And so, um, that's been really powerful to watch, to watch Mm. women unlock, um, and so I wanted to read and today I, we talked about this on a pot, one of our episodes and I can't remember which one it was, but we translated Ezekiel 37 in Tim shell. Where is it? Um, and not only did I was surprised by the, the pronoun she, when I went to translate it, I just wanted to translate it because it's an odd story. Right, so Ezekiel like goes out. It's like, <laughs> totally, what's totally, happening totally. here? Yes. <laughs> uh, Ezekiel goes out into the wilderness, and there's all these bones. And then God tells him to prophesy, and then the bones like come to life, and they um, become an army. Like that's always been told. So it's, it's kind of a story about prayer, kind of a story about power, kind of a story about restoration. Um, so as I went to go translate it, I see that it has like this beautiful picture of he and she working together. It has this beautiful picture of God, <laughs> Yahweh, and then the spirit working mm-hmm. together and interchangeably, whenever it talks about Yahweh, the text says he, and whenever it talks about the spirit, the text says she. Um, and so I loved it from the get go because it is this beautiful picture of that. We need both. 
We need both voices. We need both reflections. Um, we need an understanding that like man and women are made both in his image. It almost, it almost sounds like Genesis 1 and 2. It almost sounds... Close. It's like... It's like maybe, yes. Something. Yeah. So um, I loved that. But the thing that was the most profound about it that I really believe to be true is that the way that we talk about something changes our relationship to it. So mm. very simple. I have to put my daughter to bed. I get to put my daughter to bed. I'm going to interact differently how I hold that, right? I'm going to interact differently. And um, I'm sorry, I just can't resist, but I was reading my quantum physics book, you know? Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. This is actually very amazing. So... um, There's these two group, or there's a group of scientists, and they say um, this is an actual thing that happened. Okay, this is this book was written by a psychotherapist, and he uses quantum physics and quantum mechanics to help his clients. So he was talking about this study. So there's a group of scientists, and they have two groups of molecules, group A and group B, and they said we're going to do an experiment, and we're going to see what happens to um, the energy and um, of the molecules when we do or don't do certain things with them. They're like, so group A, I want you to look at the molecules. I want you to acknowledge they're there and then nothing else. Do not write anything down. Do not even think about them. But then group B, I want you to look at them. I want you to observe them. I want you to write things down. I want you to think about them when you're not looking at them. And we're going to do that for the next three days. And then we're going to measure what has happened if the molecules have changed at all so they do that the group of scientists do it they go back to group a and those are all the ones that were acknowledged but not dealt with not observed not thought about not whatever and um absolutely nothing has happened they remained at this like high potential state of energy but then the ones that were observed now mind you not touched but talked about, discussed, whatever, they all came way down, some into a very fixed state of energy. Mm -hmm. And so the point he makes is um, the way that we think about things, the way that we talk about things changes what they become in our minds and our relationship to them. And so I say that a lot in in the Divine Feminine class. I'm like, if we are constantly just saying he... God is going to always look this very certain way, probably like most males we know in our lives. But if we just say she, the same thing is going to happen. So if we use the context appropriately within these metaphors and within the scripture, it sort of redefines things. Mm. So when I was translating Ezekiel and I saw the she come up, it changed the whole thing for me. Because Mm. when she is in there and you see that it's the spirit with this feminine pronoun, that is um, bringing the bones together, Mm. um, I realized like, oh my gosh, this isn't just this dry land where this powerful army is being built up. This is a metaphor for um, what Jewish, uh, Jewish theology calls God the womb one. Like the wilderness is this place where God is rebuilding his people and keeping them safe. And the bones coming together and the tendons, that's what happens actually in a womb, right? So just that mere uh, change of a pronoun changes the way we view the whole story. So... um, Did you translate that in the moment? Was this all in the moment when you're like, you sat down to translate this story because it's a weird story. And while you're doing that, like, this is going to be a cool one because it's, a, you know, it's a whatever. But what was this all in the moment that 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 you realized that pronoun? Yes. 
Was it like? Yeah. So most. And then most, it, and that just alters your whole it, like. Arr. Yeah. I was just like freaking out. I was just, like most of my like get go was like we should do this because it sounds weird right and so then you get into it yeah. and then it felt like a treasure hunt like oh my gosh what are yeah, we gonna yeah, find yeah. so it was in that moment and I was like flipping out I was like screaming in the bedroom like it says she it's the womb and size like what's happening are you okay and I'm like you'll never <laughs> so yeah it was totally all all in the moment I like and that. this was I'm visually minded so I want to see the whole scene oh you can see it you can picture it. And this was one of the times where I'm like, I can't put she in there. I will get so completely just like torn down if I put she in there. This is interesting. I don't want to sidetrack you yeah. off this, but I just like the. So, you know, I'm learning all this as you the maybe the first time that you shared this stuff. I hadn't heard this before. Mm. So I don't remember what episode that was on. Yeah. But and I'm just like, oh, that's awesome. Like. Well, I don't, I, it's been so difficult for me to wrestle with why people want a two dimensional God, like why they want it to be simple and watered down and like less than yeah. like, I just don't get it. Like mm -hmm. the more that things get cracked open and it gets bigger, yeah. my, I go like, oh yeah, like, of course. this is great. God's mm -hmm. even bigger than I thought again. And yeah. I always, I used to think about this in science class, like when we thought the atom was the smallest thing. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, oh, we've got it figured out now. Like, we don't need this God idea anymore. Da, 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 da. And then they cut that up. And they're like, oh, crap. There's little things <laughs> yeah. inside of there. And I thought, I always pictured gods that they're going like, yeah, it's pretty cool though, right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you guys ever get to the point where you can crack those things open, you're going to be even more amazed. Yeah. Like, this is pretty awesome. Right, right, right. So I don't, like, I, this kind of stuff for me, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This makes God bigger. Yeah. And how in the world could that be a negative Perfect, thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. in our faith like I just don't get it yeah well I think some of it I mean Erie maybe you would know better but sometimes I think it's just unfamiliar do you know what I mean yeah. it's like a, and I love that. I don't know and and I <laughs> and a really a big worry is that okay is it okay if God's bigger yes. in that way like I think we have to some degree lost the ability of discernment is that fine is it not fine? well and that's and I would love to the you know, and we talked about this a little bit with Brueggemann, or I mentioned that I've been listening to those podcasts with him and Eugene Peterson, the different people that are talking about poetry and mm -hmm. the prophets as poets and yeah. the beautiful use of language and how intentional it is that God wasn't just like, this is how this works. Yes. Yeah. Good. You know, like, da, da, do this. Da, <laughs> yeah, da, da. But it's boring, just beautiful. Right? Like the, the language is just as living yeah. as yeah. Uh, the actual acts of things that are happening. And I love that. I think it's such a... Mm -hmm. The multi-layered, multi-colored facets of what God it has intended for all of this and all of us that we have watered down and forced into one little yeah. frame mm -hmm. is, I love it. I know. I think it's a wonderful, and I, I so. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I, we tried to keep the uh, literary genres the same. So it, if it's a poem, it should read like a poem. Um, yeah. And this is one of them where... The Hebrew was like, if if I was talking to my rabbi friend about this and we were doing it, and she's like, if the Hebrew could be written on top of each other in this story, it would. It's this fast-paced, moving cadence thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, oh. And so since I'm a writer, I wanted to duplicate that in the language. So it felt, so it felt that way. Hmm. Um, so can I read some of this to you guys? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Oh, and then we renamed them too. So this one is... I mean, while we were at it, we were like, no, why not? <laughs> this one is called Spirit Enters Bones. Um, what page is this one on? 
99, 100 it starts. And let me just give a shout out to Michael Petrella. He works at Garden Church, uh, but he did all the graphics for this, and they are they're, absolutely they're stunning. Yeah, they really make a difference. They're they're beautiful. Um, okay, so Ezekiel thirty-seven. I'll just I'll have to skip around because it's kind of a big one. But you'll see in this this one, you guys, if you go to like the next like all the different um, ways we laid out the text mm-hmm. and to do mm-hmm. the cadence. And poor Sai Sai formatted the book. Sai learned how to format a book publish an ebook and become a book publisher <laughs> because he was like, okay, we'll do it. So when I'm like, no, it really does have to be that format. He's like, okay. <laughs> he did such a good job. I don't know. Okay, here we go. The spirit of Yahweh gathers all around me and I can feel her. She takes a hold of me in her arms, picks me up and holds me close as a mother does to protect her children. And for a moment, I am shielded from the empire. She cannot bear to see her people apart from her, struggling alone and unaware of who they belong to. She finds me in the middle of the empire, the place of our exile from Yahweh, and she brings me out to the wilderness, to somewhere new. I am in unfamiliar territory. Babylon is quickly becoming where I live, yet it is not my home. Babylon is static, yet she moves and finds me again and again in the empire, and she brings me forward into the wild, into something new, into her presence, continually, until he, Yahweh, the God of Israel, stops me. Working together in balance and harmony, he and she, push and pull, move and stop, until she sits me down in his presence, and I am in the middle of the valley, full of bones." Um, so he goes on and something like, so we've already recorded a bunch of ones and something that we recorded when we did this one for the podcast was my editor, actually, Jeremy, uh, used to live, um, in Vietnam for a really long time. And he was a tour guide. And, um, one of the tours that he would give was these tours of this, um, basically like a museum, but it's not like what we think of a museum. Um, but it was from this genocide that they had. And he was like, it was terrible because everybody wants to see it, but it's all these skulls mm. oh, and yeah. all these bones and these people looking. And he's like, and I think it gets lost on us in our translations that like, these are people. Like when we see bones, it's because they're from somebody. And so um, that was a cool thing for us to be able to like, oh, of course this would, this would have been moving for Ezekiel because he's seeing these people that were mothers and fathers. So we kind of go into that. Um, but it's a, um, it's a beautiful story. And so let me say, like the part, let's see. Um, yeah, so like then 106, um, page 106, when he's prophesying into him, it says, I watch the new breath inside of them. I see their strength. And I hear Yahweh say, these bones, they are whole, the whole house of Israel. They believe their essence has dried up, that their hope is lost. The covenant has been severed and they are cut off from me. But it is not true. I move in the wilderness as much as I do in the temple. I bring new life in the wild just like I did in the garden. They are becoming alive again out here in the wilderness and they will be a tribe once again. They still belong to me and I to them. Um, So sometimes we got like, so for example, that word eerie, you'll like this is like such like a, what do you guys call those? Eggshells? Easter eggs? Easter eggs. Yes. 
Eggshells, Tim shells, perfect. Yes. But there's a ton of Easter eggs in there that only like that you would appreciate. The Hebrew word there was for severed, and the only ever time it's used is when they do the covenant. So Come then we on, brought it back and covenant. yeah, Come so on. we brought back in the covenant imagery because that's what's happening, right? So it's like there's a bunch of historical, there's word study, there's literary stuff. There's yeah, stuff that girl. points back to other things that right. we've heard that make it so it's more full totally. and roundabout. So absolutely, yeah. And th- and that's what that's what the Hebrew does. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's midrash, mm-hmm. and so, but but this is how playful the text is. It and, actually is. Yeah. I mean, it really, really is. It, mm-hmm. English. The, I've just the more I learn, the more I'm like, wow, English does not do this justice. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, it there's really so much going on. But yeah, keep going. Yeah. No, um, so that I mean, that's all I wanted to read from that story. But what was amazing about it is how different I felt about it. Um, mm-hmm. it he does it. They do turn into an army, but it's this story about like this uh, femininity that we missed when we ju- when we just put he and he did this and he did that of this beautiful mm-hmm. picture of God and how um, God takes care of the people, comforts them, builds them up, grows them. And for somebody who oftentimes feels like or has felt in my uh, spirituality, like I've been in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. um, this picture of, it's not that nothing's happening here. Um, I'm actually really being deeply cared for as a mother does to a baby inside of her. So um, that's one of my favorites that we did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when's this going to start, Bonnie? So, okay. When, let's see, on Monday, when this is released, you can yep. buy the book. Um, yes, it is official now. Official. Yeah. TimShellTranslation.com. Um, and you can and get a spell it. Oh, yeah. Spell it. T-I-M-S-H-E-L and then translation.com. And um, TimShell is actually a Hebrew word and it's in the uh, book of Genesis and it means thou mayest or you have a choice. Hmm. Um I wanted to do that for like a few reasons. One, it's a personal reason when we cremated our son and we walked down the mountain, it was like that weird moment where we had cremated him on top of the mountain up at Red Rocks Amphitheater Mm. in Denver. And we had spent some time in quiet. We had spent some time praying, but we needed to get back to the car, but no one really wanted to say anything yet. So um, I just turned on my phone and the Mumford and Sons song, Tim Shell came on. And so that became important to me. And then I started doing more. But um, we have a choice in how we view it. Like we, the text is an invitation to say, how else can we look at this? How can I get, how can I get a better, bigger understanding of who God is? What am I missing? You know what I mean? Um, It's this choice and it's an invitation to say, um, gosh, we get to keep diving in and unpeeling and turning and turning and looking and discovering. So that's why it's named that way. So anyway, you can go to timshelltranslation.com and buy it. It'll be um, a soft cover or a hard cover. So because we're like running our own ship here, we have to pre-order. So mm-hmm. you'll pre-order it. You won't get your book until August. However, when you pre-order, you'll get the digital version um, sent to your email automatically. So you can download it to your desktop and then you'll have the whole thing while you wait for your book. So Got that's it. on there. And then the podcast will launch on July 6th and it will be on iTunes and different things. But if you follow us on Instagram, either me, Bonnie, Gail Lewis, I think it is. And then Tim Shell Translation, you'll see it. All and we'll make sure there. we'll make sure our whole audience knows, uh, yeah, obviously, thank you. because yeah. you are 
Man, Bonnie, you are deeply loved. You and I go back. You have been, I've learned so much from you and um, you inspire me. I'm proud of you. I am grateful for you. What you, the gift you and Tim gave me earlier this year of friendship and honest conversation and even just holding Vox together. I mean, I'll just, you know, there's no repaying such grace. Um, and, and Bonnie will be with us a couple more episodes. We, we're going to talk to Gombas about his podcast. And, um, and then Bonnie has, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about who we'll be interviewing um, next week? Yeah. Yeah. So my friend Faith is going to be on. Um, Faith works with uh, Be the Bridge, which is um, Latasha Morrison's uh, book and ministry about um, racial reconciliation. And she does. It's like an actual coursework and you go through it and you're supposed to do it with um, neighbors and friends. And so it's a very um, a gospel centered approach to racial reconciliation um, that strives to make changes like on the roots level of your neighborhood and in your town and in your city. So um, mm. I'm really excited. I've known Faith yeah. for a long time. We um, were part of a giving group together for a while. So we just became friends. Um, mm. And then she started working um, with Latasha on Be the Bridge. So I'm really excited to have her on. She's she's awesome. Yes. Um, and then Tim. Shell. Mike. Um, <laughs> we're not going away. Is that true? Tim Shell's not? Oh, oh no. no. Oh, you, you and Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so confused as to where we are right now. <gasps> nope. No. We'll be here. We'll be here. Um, and, and it is. I mean, <laughs> is, that, is that positive? And, uh, <laughs> we'll be here. We'll be here. Well, it's tough. I mean, yeah. Bunny, you're you such know. a unique person, and we have a great, the three of us have a great chemistry, and that's, you just don't. You, there's nobody that can step into your shoes. Mm, you know what I mean? Nice but, and um, and so we'll probably do some stuff just to buy us some time to figure out kind of where this podcast needs to go. Mm-hmm. But man, it is great. It gives us great joy to support you and to bless and to say, man, Bonnie, thank you for... Um, just amazing. The, the, I think that this has been, you know, one of the best seasons of the the whole thing is just mm. because of your personality and gifting and yours very unique. I mean, in that, I think the Vox audience loves you and it would be a, a much different and sad story if, if you weren't still out there. Mm. Um, but to be able to hear you and then obviously bringing you back whenever you'd like to come on. Um, but you've got some big stuff. How, how do people find out about Radical Wellness? I, I want to oh, make sure yeah. people know. Um, how they can just go too. to radicalwellness.co or um, online. And all the links are in my Instagram profile, too. You can like just click on all their things. Um, so nice. they're on there. And then, um, yeah, you can see all the good stuff we're up to over there. But I'm so grateful to you two for um, making a seat at the table for me in the first place. Um, oh, you've been doing that for 20 years. Um, but to just continually do it. And to let me grow and stumble around. And um, I just, I so appreciate that. And all your support of, um, I know I don't embark on like normal sized projects. So I appreciate (laughs) your willingness to hear and like, oh my gosh, yeah. And to jump on board. So I really appreciate that. And all the listeners, you guys have been so kind and all the messages you send us and me and your Mm. support. And um, I hope that we stay connected. Yeah. 
yeah, to the listeners. A- I already told you I was going to like text you guys all the time. So <laughs> you can't get rid of me that fast. <laughs> totally. Uh, if people want to email you specific, you, you can, would you want them just to send it to the Vox mailbox and I could forward it? Or do you, you comfortable giving out your email address? Yeah, no, you, you can, you, you can, uh, you can email me at Bonnie at Tim translation.com. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> if you want to email, uh, us, you can uh, email hello at voxpodcast.com. Um, anyway, I wanted, Bonnie gave me gracious permission to read for our blessing, um, her translation of several beatitudes and this, um, when people kind of encounter at least the stories, the several stories I've heard, one of the first ways people often encounter this is through the beatitudes Mm -hmm. and even, um, well, I, I won't. There's some cool stories that you've you've mentioned about mm, how mm-hmm. this is happening. So yeah, um, and so I wanted to read uh, two or three of these as kind of our kind of our blessing. Tim, do you have any last thoughts, my friend? No, I just uh, no. I've learned a lot from you, mm-hmm. Bonnie. You too. So. Uh, I just hope that you'll feel permission to be bold. Dang it, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate that though. And I, I really do because I feel all your guys' love and support. So thank you. Yeah. All right. So from Matthew, Blessed are the marginalized, those on the edges of society, the gay woman who is not welcomed, the black man who is wrongfully punished, the conservative and liberal who are falsely judged and pitted against one another, the family separated at the border, the ones driven out of their countries, the ones in constant pain, the ones who were tortured by addiction or mental illness. When no one listens to your story or believes your experience, I hear you and I am on your side. Blessed are the misfits, the ones who don't belong. You who ask the honest questions, challenging the leaders and the ones in charge. You who aren't satisfied with the answers given, willing to hold up everything you believe to the light. You who struggle and wrestle to find goodness and truth. Man, that, you sound a lot like you, Bonnie. Um, you are blessed, for that is what God is like. Blessed are you. When you listen to the stories of the oppressed, refuse to dote on privilege, decide to dismantle unbalanced systems and seek empathy in the face of anger and strife. Blessed are you who seek peace when everyone around you is in conflict. This is the divine in you. And then um, this, this one, the last one here is uh, most fitting. Blessed are you when you have been taught you aren't enough, when people shame you, calling you names and stealing your dignity. You are blessed when your enemies speak guilt upon you, Bonnie Lewis. When those who claim, oh, you are blessed when your enemies speak guilt upon you, when they make it impossible for you to thrive. When those who claim to love me do not love you, Bonnie, I will make a way for you. Oppression is not new, yet in my kingdom, it never has the last word. Amen. Mm-hmm.